This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Halton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 175 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of this Friday? Well, what I can tell you is that Amy E. Smith is a certified and credentialed life coach and hypnotherapist, masterful speaker, and personal empowerment expert. Founder of thejoyjunkie.com, Amy uses her roles as coach, written writer, podcaster, and speaker to move individuals to a place of radical personal empowerment and self-worth. With an acute focus on helping people find their voice, she is highly sought after for her uncommon style of irreverence, wisdom, and humor, and has been a featured expert in Inspired Coach magazine and on Fox 5 San Diego. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, my friend. How are you today, Amy? I'm awesome. That makes me sound like such a big deal. <laughs> well, you kind of are. You kind of are. And and doing what you do for a living, you would know particularly where your clients are concerned, there's no playing small, there's no dummying down, there's no diluting the truth of your brilliance, right? That's right. That's right. I definitely think there's something to be said for truly owning that and standing standing in a, a place of self-love doesn't necessarily have to be grandiloquent and arrogant or any of those other things that, that we tell women to kind of dull your shine. Mm. Uh, so, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's go back to the inception of your journey, because a lot of people, by the time they get onto my podcast, their life, they feel like they've already lived 10 lives. And, and so there's all kinds of transformational skills or reasons as it pertains to their backstory for what they did once upon a time to where it is they're in on their current journey now and for how people would most recognize them. So let's talk about a little bit of the backstory. Sure. Can you can you tell us a little bit about who you were and how it morphed and transformed into what you're currently doing and how you know that you're now aligned and integral with your life purpose? Well, I have always been self-actualized, Lisa. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're like, oh shit. What? What is? What is this girl saying? Um, no, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't disbelieve that. I, I mean, there's a lot of people who are old souls, and they are very much standing in their power, and they declare it right out of the gate. So I'm like, I'm a believer. I get it. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I definitely feel like I, I am an old soul, but I also feel like a majority of my breakthroughs in life have come from the breakdowns mm. and there was a very pivotal moment for me. Well, let me, let me give you a bit of context of sort of the, the genesis of what I do now. And so I, I grew up in a very conservative, extremely conservative, evangelical born again, Christian family. My father had a master's in divinity and a doctorate in ministry. So clearly not fucking around on that front. <laughs> and <laughs> I was going to say you poor thing, but keep going. 
So it was, you know, my youth was laden with a lot of motivation from guilt and fear and purity culture and fire and brimstone and, and, uh, intuition was not highly regarded, right? It was, Mm. you, you can't be trusted. Your own emotions can't be trusted. And although I grew up in an extremely loving household that, you know, there's still a lot of that, that I have to parse out and work through, but it came to sort of a head in 07 when my father passed away. And prior to that, I was very much living in sort of a facade. And I would, when my husband and I would go visit my parents, I would kind of give him a rundown of, okay, no cussing, no drinking. Don't talk about Howard Stern. Don't talk about <laughs> John Stewart. Don't talk about gay rights. Don't talk about South Park. Don't, you know, like I kind of, ha- I had like these talking points, right? Like how long came- did he, and he became your husband or can you clarify that? Yeah, that, that was my, I've been with my husband for 24 years. So, okay. So he, he passed the test. Yes. Yes. But he, I mean, bless his heart. He even went to Christian conferences with my family. I mean, he really, Jesus. He, he's he literally <laughs> <laughs> literally Jesus. So uh so I also by all accounts was very much the good kid, right? So I have two younger siblings. Both of them uh had trouble with the law, did jail time, uh really a tumultuous youth. And I was working since I was 14. I put myself through college. I, you know, worked my way up in a makeup artistry line. So I, by all accounts, like I had checked off the boxes of winning at daughter and that particular day. So this is the day of my father's service. I did makeup Lisa on my dad's dead corpse (laughs) on my dead dad. Oh my God. We we've reached the segment, the dead dad segment. So, so, I know. So I I had a background in makeup artistry. So I figured it would be such an asshole move if I was like, oh, dad, get your own makeup artist. Right. (laughs) I I felt like I have the skill set. I'm going to do this. Uh, I also felt very compelled that I was going to speak to the crowd there. And because he was such an incredible human and had massive impact in the world, he there were hundreds of people there. So I doing makeup on him. I speak to this crowd and we get back home to, to my mom's house. And I'm thinking I'm winning at daughter here. And she, Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) right. She finds it the most opportune time to say, it feels, it just feels like your father and I have failed because the three of you are not quote walking with the Lord. Wow. So it was, I don't care who you are. I don't care how you show up in this world. If you don't subscribe to the doctrine that we raised you with, you are a disappointment. And I'll tell you what, Lisa, that right then was, was sort of a breaking point. It was a very pivotal point for me because I realized that speaking up for yourself or standing up for yourself, advocating for who you are in this world is not always an ultimatum. It's not always I have to choose either you or I choose me. But I realized that when it did come to push to shove Mm -hmm. and when it did come to that decision of I either make my mom happy or I make me happy, I was going to choose me. And that's, that's when everything changed. And, you know, not long after that, I was heavily immersed in personal growth and got all of this, you know, the studies and the certifications and all of those things. And, uh, but that really was the impetus behind, I want other people to know that there are ways to speak up for yourself and to combat people pleasing or the investment in other people without being an asshole. Because I'll tell you, <laughs> Right after that, I, it was like the floodgates opened and I was so combative and adversarial. And I wanted, it was, I wanted to bring up every polarizing topic and it wasn't till many, many apology sessions later where I realized, okay, I need to actually apologize for my delivery, not for my stance, not for my opinion, 
but I need to apologize for how I expressed that, that I became really rooted in what my message is, which is that you can speak up for yourself without, without being a dick about it. And in (laughs) fact, you know, being very assertive. Right. Well, I've been told being an asshole looks good on me. So I've kind of stuck with the program. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about the backlash. Like, so let's talk a little Mm -hmm. bit because there's no doubt that for every person that you interface with, you connect with, uh, you partner up with in terms of your delivery and suite of, of services, Amy, you know, oftentimes people do have to unlearn what they've learned before because you get to a point and it is a choice. And when you become an adult, I do believe, depending on how consciously you choose to evolve and transform in your own life and in your own healing journey, there comes a point where you have to question your own bullshit and, and, and you have to deprogram and you have to go back and say, okay, I may not have had a choice once upon a time. This is how my family chose to raise me. These were the beliefs. These were the, the systems. These were the whatever. But there comes a point where if you want to live a life where you can completely be integral with yourself, and particularly for those of us who are in the industry of what it is we do, you have to walk your talk, which means you have to strip it all down and you have to go, okay, that doesn't serve me anymore. So I can't truly be aligned with my life purpose. I can't really say that I know who I am or what it is I stand for or what I in fact may even go to the wall for if I'm still holding on and clinging to false beliefs and false concepts that no longer serve me. So you've, you've very clearly illustrated for myself and for the listeners and the podcast subscribers for which I'm really grateful for. You're very candid. I love that. I love, I love the F-bombs. I love people who stand in their power. So let's talk a little bit about when you're interfacing with your clients, knowing the cathartic moment that, that shaped and molded you going forward. Oftentimes there is that moment in each client's uh, own experience where they've had to encounter the backlash for the enforced conformity. It is ultimately a choice, whether it be the community, the family, uh, the educational institution, it's like put up, shut up, um, whatever the case may be. So how do you reconcile the lesson that you just articulated for us that you reconciled within yourself in terms of, I can still stand for myself, I can still empower myself, I can still advocate for myself, but I don't have to do it in such a disparaging way where I'm going to carry the eternal scar of this and feel like I'm dealing with imposter syndrome or I've somehow settled in my life. So how do you deal with that? Because everybody's situation who you're dealing with, Amy, there's going to be different levels of extremes attached to that. So what do you, what do you say? What do you do? Where do you go with that? Well, I think there's a couple, there was quite a few different things to look at here. And one of them is I think just by being so vocal and so open about what I will and won't accept as far as boundaries in my world and in my life starts to give other people the freedom to do the same. I remember having a student one time where <laughs> I had a boundary around not not responding to our Facebook group on Saturdays and Sundays. And I just said, oh, you know, I'm, I'll be here Monday through Friday, but I take off for the weekends. And one of them popped in and said, oh my God, you can do that? Like we can just have a boundary around our time? And I was like, yes, that's exactly what you can do. So I definitely think there's the piece of of being an example of what's possible. But I think there's actually a very systemic, deep-rooted biological pull for us around why we are so concerned about the approval of other people. And if we Mm. look back even to, you know, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, one of our our primary human needs is the sense of belonging, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and that stems from the days of old when you could not survive as an individual, you had to have a tribe, an organization to be a part of for your survival. So now many, many years later, you know, we, Susan in accounting doesn't approve of us and our subconscious mind thinks that we might die, right? (laughs) So even though we, we consciously know we're not going to die, our wiring says you need to belong or there's a severe threat. 
So one of the places that I start with people is letting them know that we are wired for connection. We are uh, driven by a sense of belonging. But what you have to recognize is you're not actually going to die or not actually being threatened just because somebody doesn't approve of you, doesn't uh, agree with you, isn't aligned with you. And we start shifting the perspective around over there versus in here because we cannot control how we are received. So one of the major mantras that I use all the time is you are responsible for your intention, not your reception. Mm, I like that a lot. Meaning you're responsible for how you show up. You're responsible for your delivery. You're responsible for uh, your intention. If you're, if you're choosing to hurt somebody, if you're ill-intended or malicious, then yeah, you should feel guilty. That's a dick move. Like you're, <laughs> you're, you're being an ass, right? Right. But if your intention is to speak up for yourself, like a situation with my mom, please, please don't invite me to these church functions. I find that highly offensive. Um, and I don't invite you to summer solstice and <laughs> <laughs> shit like that. Right. I don't offer a tarot card reading. So <laughs> So I would appreciate the same respect, right? So there's a way in which you can go, okay, she she's probably not going to love that. How she yeah. receives that is her responsibility. That's not mine. Right. Uh, and we can, we can layer that sort of a concept on a, a bevy of different life scenarios, right? Like whether mm -hmm. you're coming out of the closet or you're starting your own business and everyone in your family thinks why don't you get a real job or you want to move across the country or you want to ask your adult children to move out of the house. All of those things, you are capable of, of delivering that with the utmost grace and kindness. And you're not responsible for how it's received. You can't control that. Mm -hmm. you, there's just no way to control that. Absolutely. Well, going back to the example that you cited in terms of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, we know that the top of that is self-actualization. And right. in order to ascend from the bottom to the top of the hierarchy does not mean that you're complicit in being Pavlov's dog, right? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your client base. What I mean, because I'm sure you get everything under the sun. And I also want to give you the opportunity for inviting listeners to know how best to connect with you on a one-on-one -on -one and whatever events or anything you're launching that's coming to light that would be beneficial for you to share. But let's start with um, wh who would, who's based on listening right now, what would constitute a good fit synergistically between you and a prospective client? Well, I think that there are, there's a, a very strong through line with the women that I work with. And it is a, at the core, it's a, de a deep belief around worthiness. And it mm. has a, a, a myriad of different semantics around it. Some people say I'm not enough. Some people say I'm not worthy. I'm not valuable. I, I don't matter. You know, we have, I'm not valuable. We have different ways to describe that. Some people say I'm not lovable, but it's around an intrinsic viewpoint of self-worth. And then when that isn't solid, then it starts to create a whole slew of coping mechanisms or behavioral patterns. So two of the most prevalent behavioral patterns that I see are constant people pleasing or being highly invested in the opinions of other people or perfectionism. And so if you unpack both of those types of behavioral patterns, perfectionism is if I'm not flawless, then I'm not valuable, then I'm not worthy. That also very much lends itself to procrastination too, where it's, uh, we become stagnant because we, it, everything needs to be flawless. So there's this investment in how we are viewed because our worth is not rooted internally. And same with people pleasing. That behavior is if other people approve of me, maybe then I'll be okay. Maybe then I'll have some value. So those are, those are the major sort of symptomatic things that I see. And at the core, it's usually that belief of, of I'm not enough. Uh, and when you look at either of those two behavioral patterns, whether it's perfectionism or people pleasing, so much of that has to do with communication. And are we speaking up when somebody says something offensive? Do we let that slide? I oftentimes will say, do not let your silence make you a liar. Mm -hmm. uh, 
So that happens all the time where we try to put up this facade with the perfectionism or we try to make everybody happy with the people pleasing. And so a lot of times, especially for women, we're not given the vernacular or the the way in which to communicate and to say, hey, I find that offensive or that's not going to work with me or I'm not available or being more definitive and assertive with our language. So it's it's full circle. All of those entry points um, are things that I see consistently with the people that I work with. Beautiful, Amy. Well, let me ask you this then, because for people who are on an ongoing perpetual journey within personal growth, personal development, healing journey, bossing up within their business, et cetera, et cetera, you know, oftentimes, and you may have encountered this yourself, you're not the first point of entry in terms of somebody embarking upon coaching up or leveling up uh, with a mentor. So let's talk about perhaps the client who they've had a succession or they've had maybe one pivotal or two pivotal uh, mentors or coaches prior to crossing paths with you. And let's say they've already ascended within their journey of they're no longer in the domain of, of being consumed or debilitated by people pleasing. Um, they've had to do the work to go, well, if I'm going to get to a certain level and if I'm going to continuously do what's integral with self, then I really have to just you know, get rid of the minutia and the background noise and, and not let those things distract me or throw me off kilter. So when you come upon a client who you might be their third or fourth, but, but they understand that to continue to be successful, uh, they have to continually always mentor up, coach up. So when you've got somebody who's highly evolved like that already, what then do you come across as knowing as perhaps a common denominator of what they're then struggling with or what might then still be impeding them? Well, it's it's kind of the the new level, new devil idea, right? Where I find that it's iterations of the exact same things. So it's not that it, it might not be contending with an overbearing in-law or family member, but now it might be scaling your business. And Mm. there's an element of imposter syndrome. What is imposter syndrome? That's root, you know, or imposter complex. It's not a syndrome. Uh, But to, to really look at that, it's a, I might not be enough, right? So it's a new iteration of the exact same thing. But here's what I'll say about that. I do think that there is a place where self-help can go wrong. And yes. that that is in, in, in a ton of different ways. But one of them is this notion that we will have arrived, that we will be sans triggers, that we will no longer experience fear or the inner critic or whatever it is. Uh-huh. And it's really not about that. It's about whatever that whatever we're going through, we are, you know, you're not void of hardship or immune to hardship. It's that you contend with hardship from a powerful place or from uh-huh. a different place. So I do find that there are sometimes people who feel like they've elevated so much that their shit don't stink, right? Like, and they think <laughs> there's, there's no place for me to go. There's always a place for you to go. There's always something to explore or to look at. So as, as a hypnotherapist, a lot of times I will look at what, what is something that's happening in the subconscious mind that might, might be thwarting the success? What is in the way? So there's usually the surface issue of something that's in the way, like, oh, I need the funding or, oh, I can't do it because my ex is taking me to court or there's some surface issue. And then there's the root issue that is typically on the subconscious plane of why you are thwarting your own success and your own Mm. progress. So, and that's different for everybody. Brilliant. Brilliant. So what, what else would you want to take advantage of using this opportunity to let it be known? Um, Are you working on any other content? Is there any other launches, webinars, books, uh, speaking engagements, obviously through virtual zoom? Is there anything that would be important for you to let it be known to the listening audience and to the podcast subscribers so that people who have already gotten a flavor of who you are like you and want to be able to be in your pathway? How can people know what's coming up for you, Amy? Thank you so much for for asking that. It's very kind of you. I uh, pretty much my corner of the internet is over at thejoyjunkie.com and junkie is J-U-N-K-I-E. And I have a podcast as well that I've been doing for, gosh, a little over eight years. Yeah. So, 
I, I really love to do specific, tangible tips, steps. Uh, everything in my podcast is like five steps of this or eight steps of this or whatever, because that that's just kind of how my brain works is I can't stand when you see memes that are like, fucking believe in yourself. And you're like, yeah, right. I'll get, I'll get right on that. How? Though? How? Right. So I like to have very tactile steps. So I do a lot, a lot on the podcast. Um, so I would encourage people to go over there. I do have uh, one primary signature program that I do called Deep Down and Dirty. That is a, a huge deep dive. We do a lot of hypnosis elements that help to rewire the subconscious faculty of the mind. And you can find all of that out through the podcast, through my website. I just figure, go get some free shit, hang out, see if you vibe. And, uh, and then there's always directions to go deeper. It'll point you there. Fantastic. And so is there, would you say that there's like um, uh, equal distribution of how many people would be on your client roster uh, in terms of like life coaching versus how many people want to use you specifically for hypnotism? Is it like a, a mishmash or do you find one client, it, it, you're, it's a one-stop shop with everything you have to offer? How does that work? Yeah, it's definitely more the latter. So I, I've compiled this program again called uh, Deep Down and Dirty that is sort of a massive conglomeration of all of the certifications and information and, and uh, processes that I've amassed over the last 15 years. And there are hypnosis elements that are infused in, into it, uh, NLP, EFT, a bunch of different things, coaching modalities. And uh, all of that stuff, I feel, is it, it's it's tools, it's different methods and ways in which that we can start our start healing ourselves and heal our subconscious. And what I what I love so much about it is it's not for the select few. It's not. It's all based in brain science and how our neural pathways are formed. So everybody can change. Everybody can shift. It's not. It's not that it's only for a select few. So I try to really encourage that in, in the work that I do. But yeah, I got really, really clear about this quite a few years ago when I, I had a bunch of little small programs or home studies. And I realized that what I wanted to do was only work in radical transformation. I wanted one program that was designed to help people completely change that perspective about their own enoughness and their own value. And then in doing so would give them the freedom to speak up and advocate for themselves in this world. So that's right. when I kind of scrapped everything else. I discontinued everything and I focus only on this program. So fantastic. Yeah. Impressive. Oh. Do you do any past life regression, Amy? So the, uh, Yes, I I absolutely do. It depends on if that's something that somebody wants to work through. There I have sort of a myriad of things that are up my sleeve as far as different methodology uh, hypnotic modalities basically. Mm -hmm. So there's tons of stuff you can do with like parts work where you you know meet the various parts of yourself. There's timeline therapy where you can kind of float up above the timeline of your life and look at very pivotal moments that have happened. There's guided imagery. There's past life regression. There's, there's even a shit ton I can find out from handwriting samples. Wow. Uh, so it's, it's pretty remarkable, like all the ways that our subconscious communicates through our body. That's actually, you may know this already, but that's how Ouija boards work is, yep. is through, you know, the, uh, the idiomotor response, which is your subconscious communicating through your physical body, which is what happens with handwriting. And um, so it's pretty fascinating, pretty fascinating stuff. Are you Southpaw or are you right-handed? I am, I am right-handed. Okay. Are you yeah. ambidextrous at all? No, but I went through a phase. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I went through a phase when I was in probably in junior high where I was like, I'm going to learn how to be. <laughs> and, and it wasn't very successful. Short no. Are yes. you? No, my mom was. I'm Southpaw. I'm left-handed. But, you know, of course, it, it talks a lot about if you are left-handed, if you are right-handed, you know, predominant 
traits that would be associated with that and what part of the brain. So I don't know to what degree you understand. I, I'm sure you do uh, because you're comprehensive and in, in a huge wealth of knowledge, your base being what it is. Um, so I don't know if you've come to understand in your own research and connecting the dots with your own clients for those who would perhaps fall in the distinct category of being left-handed and those who are being who are right-handed and perhaps those in the middle who are ambidextrous. If you've mm. come up with any uh, interesting facts or research or data, you know, in in relationship to that. You know, I haven't. I haven't. We that was not a big realm of study. Uh, we we looked a lot at the actual characters and mm. the words on the page. So w- that actually never came up in. Now I'm fascinated. I'm going to have to go. There you go. Go look that up. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. And so there's no doubt because every person who you interface with, Amy, it's a unique experience and it's all equally validated. But in terms of your level of expertise and your longevity, is there any one particular client whose transfer transformational process has been so off the charts that it's something that you would use as an example to illustrate your work in tandem with them? Oh yeah, that's great. So I think one of the one of the biggest things that I see that I I will tell people constantly is that your your bullshit tolerance gets real short, real yes. small. <laughs> so the the poor behavior that you would tolerate from your family or from coworkers or largely what I see is from partners, from spouses becomes so so much shorter and you just can't stand it anymore because you can st- start seeing things from a different light. So I had I had one client who came to me this is not too long ago. And you know I do intro work where they fill me in on a lot of the backstory. So she the overall essence was I need to get my husband to love me again. I need to fix this. I need to fix me. There was this notion of I'm I'm the problem in the relationship. I'm awful. Uh, he verbally told her she wasn't that lovable. Just some so things that I was like, oh, okay, red flag. There's lots yeah. of abuse, uh, you know, abuse happening here. So watching her over the next four months that she did deep down and dirty with me was miraculous. She ended up leaving him. She ended up, uh, completely starting to change the scenario with her children. He, he had really, he had done a lot of very manipulative things with their children. So she, to see her go and get her own apartment and start uh, figuring out all of her finances and start filing for divorce and getting her lawyer and all of the things that she did, it, it just blew my mind. I was like, I need you to go back and read what you wrote. Mm. At the beginning, you know, that this was the goal. The goal was, I need you to love me. And now she will send me messages where she's like, look how cute I look, or I'm so proud of myself or, you know, ways in which she's speaking about herself in such an empowered way. And I mean, that's just one example, but I can't tell you how many people end up leaving very abusive partnerships or and toxic family relationships too cuz you start realizing oh yeah water or blood is not thicker than water respect is Ooh, i need I, like res- that. I need respect in my relationships in order for them to continue so so yeah so that's one one scenario but that's you know it's not uncommon for me to see people start businesses or leave a toxic work environment or go back to school or quit smoking or lose a bunch of weight or do all of these amazing things once they actually believe in their own value. It's, it's pretty awesome. Well, I love the example in which you cited because anybody who can go from initially saying, I need you to love me to go and fuck yourself is beautiful. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so cool. Like I, I get excited every time I see her on my calendar because it's, it's just been, it's such an honor to watch somebody go through that. And as, as somebody who loves to share and to be of impact and all of those things, I can't make anybody do it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. Jillian Michaels always talks about that when people say to her, 
you changed my life. She's like, no, no, no. I showed you some stuff and you did it. You changed your life. And that's how I feel about these women. It's like, I can lead you to water all damn day and you might not want to drink. So yes, I can't force you. And they, they do it right. Like in, in their resilience and their passion and their, uh, ability to say, no, I'm, this isn't working anymore. And, and to, to fight for that. Cause there's a lot of fear involved with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, very clearly, Amy, you're multifaceted and there's not too many people who I'm sure you wouldn't be able to have an immediate effect or impact or resonance with, but from your own clinical standpoint, in terms of your own niche, you know, is there a certain demographic of people who would want to partner with you that you feel most profoundly a calling to, whether it be people who are wanting to leave abusive relationships mm-hmm. or people who want to boss up women who want to boss up in their businesses? Like, is it, do you have like a certain demographic that you feel more akin to? Yeah, sure. Uh, almost always it is <sighs> Women in 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, like that, the age group is usually fairly broad. Mm-hmm. But people who have a, a lot of success in one area of their life, usually where they're a very high achiever, they're a perfectionist, usually in the realm of their work. But in their personal life, it's usually a partnership or with an overbearing family member, maybe they have to caretake for an ailing relative or somebody like that, an adult child, there is an interpersonal relationship that is affecting their happiness. And so they look amazing on paper and have Mm -hmm. all of these accomplishments and degrees and, and usually a highly successful career, but there's an interpersonal issue that is really arresting happiness. Mm. Well, I I like how you phrase that. Beautiful. Arresting happiness. Lovely. And so what has the pandemic done to you business-wise? Has it increased your business? Has it changed the trajectory of your business? You know, what does that look like to you these days? Well, it's, it has definitely shifted. The, the women who are a part of my team all have children and, and I do not, but they all have children. So they were affected by changes of schedules. So where some of them were now homeschooling and things like that. So we had to make some adjustments around that, but everything was very doable and easy. More recently, I have felt a sort of a slowing down and things have felt like there needs to be a shift and a change. So I, I'm working with some, some new members of my team and I'm really, really excited about that to just shift things and change things. My podcast, my, uh, my husband has always been my sidekick on the show for, uh, yeah, I like to say he's the, the Robin to my Barry Gibb or the Robin to my (laughs) Howard Stern or the Robin to my Batman. (laughs) Love it pick the Robin. But, uh, so he's, he's off to do some really awesome big stuff. So my podcast format is completely changing. So, and I'm not super good at change. <laughs> so it's, this really? is, sort of, I'm not, no, Dude, that's really surprising to me to hear that. I think because I'm so gregarious and it, there's this assumption that I would love it to be just adventurous. And I fucking hate spontaneity. <laughs> I hate it. I like really. Yes. Uh, calculated, organized, accuracy, precision. So, so I've had to pivot a little bit and, and just kind of, I think surrender that something is being called for right now. And I'm not fully sure what it is yet, Mm -hmm. but I can feel that there's resistance. And so really walking, walking my talk by searching out my own healers and partnering with people who, whose genius I highly regard and it, yeah. And just looking for what is, what is the next step? But I think the biggest thing around the pandemic for me has been 
recognizing that it is a, it is a trauma. It has been a collective trauma mm-hmm. for all of us in varying dis- different degrees. But anytime you have a new trauma, it's going to kick up old trauma. So anytime you've ever felt a loss of control or a, an abundance of fear, it's going to get kicked back up again when we're in the midst of that uh, in a new iteration. So that's been something that I think has been really prevalent with with both my clients and also with myself is recognizing that because it's not acute, it's not like a car accident where it's like, okay, there was the injury. Now we're rehabilitating and then done, right? Mm-hmm. We're still kind of in it and it's all kind of low grade and some high grade for others and and things that we're not used to and it manifests as exhaustion and uh, melancholy and things that we're not we're not always so adept at handling. So mm-hmm. I've I've learned to be really gracious with myself. Of you get to rest, you get to be compassionate. You don't have to th- you know be on overdrive all the time. So yeah, it's been a lesson. Wow. It's like, welcome to Amy Smith's one-stop shop triage center. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You you said something that's quite fascinating and it's come up on my show before. And, and, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because I'm cognizant of time here. Um, But as myself, formerly having been in senior management uh, within social services, you know, there's accumulation of the vicarious trauma, right? So when you're on the receiving end of hearing other people's trials, tribulations, and and sometimes things are more crisis uh, saturated than others, how do you, within the role of what you do and what you're expected to bring to other people's lives as the energy changer, the, you know, the soul stir, the, the, the shifter, how do you keep yourself abreast of going under just because, because and you would be sensitive to energy? Whether you classify yourself as a light healer or an energy worker or not, there's a huge component of energy that's associated with what you and I do for a living. So how do you stay abreast of that? Lots of whiskey. (laughs) I'm just kidding. kidding. Flask me up. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm only slightly kidding. No, I... um, So I am a firm believer, like I was mentioning earlier, that that your journey's never done. So I have always had support in my own life. So I still have a coach that I work with consistently. So I always have a place to debrief, a safe place. I am always part of a sister mind group where we can talk about what's going on in our businesses, but also life. And I do hypnosis every single day. There's, there's certainly, there's certain elements that I know when they are infused in my life, I operate better, right? Mm, It's like mm -hmm. an owner's manual for Amy's body. It's like, okay, you will thrive if you fill it with hypnosis and support and, (laughs) and a little scotch, right? So, (laughs) so I, uh, I, I recognize I think it's about recognizing when I need a good tool or a good support system and then actually calling upon it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm also a huge, huge believer in emotional intelligence. Yes. And I know that there's, you know, there's ways sometimes that I can guard myself up and kind of put a little bubble of light around me to not absorb something that's not mine to carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also love the field that I'm in, that I don't have to be a stoic person taking notes and sizing someone up that I can actually be with somebody's humanity. So I have cried with, with clients and students. And I think there's a a real healing power to being seen in that way. And, yes. and we demonize vulnerability as weakness and it's, it's absolutely strength and courage. Absolutely. So, so there's ways in which I allow myself to feel what people are feeling. And in, if I have the capacity and if I don't have the capacity, then I, I boundary up a little bit and, and have compassion from, from a distance, but it, it's different every day, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. So knowing that living fearlessly means something, it has a different connotation, different descriptor, different feel for anybody who I'm showcasing on my show. Um, 
And of course, my purpose is to uplift people to fear less and to live more. And it's not to negate the fact that fear is a real thing. It's the idea, the approach, the mindset around it. So what does living fearlessly mean to you, Amy? I think for me, what it's about, it's about choosing courage over and over and over again. Beautiful. Because we, I mean, we're built with a fear response, right? Like we're never going to eradicate fear. It's what keeps us alive. Mm -hmm. So I think about that all the time when I'm in the throes of a fearful experience that I can't have courage unless I have fear. So every time that's around, that is my opportunity for courage, for bravery, to, uh, to choose a different action, right? So in each of those moments, we can choose to let the fear win or we can choose to let the courage win. And so to me, that's what it, it would be about is, is choosing the courage over and over and over again. It's not that the fear stops happening. Mm-hmm. It's just that you make a new consistent choice. Love it. Beautiful. And so we've, we've, thanks to you, we've unpacked a lot in a finite period of time and it's always left open to the listeners to reach out to you. I extend that, you know, it's made clear. This is an open standing invitation for anybody who's a derived value impact out of this and wants more from Amy, my guest of today. Um, but if there was one specific takeaway, nugget, wisdom, anything that you would want to re-highlight and, and hone again for the benefit of the listening audience, what would be your one tip or uh, last words that you would wish to impart to the listening audience? I would say to really take an inventory around when and with whom are the situations where you are so invested in your reception as opposed to your intention. Mm-hmm. And and recognizing, okay, of those people or those instances, maybe it's in your work, maybe it's with partnerships, though, okay, those are the instances where I'm so concerned about how I'm being perceived or received that I twist and contort myself. And ask yourself the question of what would it look like for me to be as obsessed or more obsessed with my own intention, who I am being in this world rather than how I'm being received. Beautiful. Yeah. I would leave it at that. Um, Is your mom still alive? She is. And what is your relationship to date with her? I should have asked you that. Yeah. Yeah. I should have asked you back when we first was raised, but I never did get the chance. So how are things between you and your mom today? Relationship wise? Uh, it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, I would say that on a, a majority of it is fairly superficial where we talk mostly about like some food we're eating or gardening or home decor, things that are really innocuous yeah. because at, at our core level, our, our value system is diametrically opposed Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are situations around the recent election and things like that where we've we've had some really thoughtful, kind conversations. I am a huge proponent for that. I think there's ways in which um, it comes as such an affront to her that it's hard for her to engage in those conversations thoughtfully. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and also th- she's had, you know, 70 years of a very, very specific doctrine. And, um, so there's quite a bit of an aversion to hearing anything else, but I also feel that if I'm going to stay in this place of respect that, that I demand respect, I need to also be able to give it even with somebody I don't agree with at all. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, so I keep that kind of grace and kindness as a, as a cornerstone of how I want to engage with people. But sadly, it does mean that most of our conversations are pretty superficial for, for a majority of of the time, but I love her dearly, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and we are able to connect over, over some fun, fond memories of my father. And, um, yeah, it's, it's complicated. I've often said coaching because who doesn't have mom issues? Uh, you're preaching to the preacher, sister. So <laughs> lo- love it. Um, so yep. 
and so are things like when I think of what's like more recently on on the calendar here, does East or Easter, for example, become triggersome in your relationship with your mom? No, uh, no, I've I have been I have deconstructed my faith for like for at least 15 years, if not 20. So I've been so clearly like. I find that offensive. Please don't say that to me because mm-hmm. um, I find so much of religion to be abuse. And so I'm if if you don't want me to cast the runes or read horoscopes or, you know, <laughs> then, then we're also not going to be praying in my household. So there's ways in which I boundary up. I feel like whatever she wants to do in her home, like I will acquiesce and do whatever in her home, but in my house, we don't do that. So it's about firm boundaries with Mm -hmm. kindness and just continuing to reiterate them. You know, like if she says, pray for me, I say, I will send you good energy. (laughs) Lovely. So there's no concern or issues with hiding Easter eggs on the freeway and then throwing your mom a basket. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. You're such a lovely daughter. <laughs> no, I have super fond memories of Easter and uh she was always so great about fun little Easter baskets and mm-hmm. um so we still, you know, I mean there was no talk about how it was originally a pagan holiday that was stolen. Right. <laughs> like all the other ones. But um yeah, it's no, we have quite quite a good relation. It's very kind. It's not adversarial or, or at all anymore. Lovely. Lovely. Well, you're always welcome to come back on the show. I've thoroughly enjoyed you, Amy. It's been a lot of shits and giggles, but also like highly intuitively educational and emotionally intelligent. So I thank you for bringing it today. Uh, and, and just knowing what I myself, um, have personally appreciated and what I'm going to take note of. So just very quickly before I wrap up the show and say cheerio to you, where can people find you again? Uh, my little corner is over at thejoyjunkie.com. And yeah, you can find a bunch of freebies over there. And that's sort of the the starting point, I'd say. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you very much for the gift of your time. You're a delight. I, I, I really, truly appreciate you. Uh, and you're, yeah, it's not too many people I can say fuck with on the airways, you know, like like I leave it open to do so and not for shock value. It's just, you know, that's part of how I speak sometimes. And, and so I feel akin to you on so many different levels. So thank you for what you've brought to my listeners today and to the listeners who have time to, sorry, tuned in, (laughs) tuned in to myself and my guest of today, Amy Smith. I want to thank you very much for the gift of your time. I'm very clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear lesson to live more until next Friday when we're joined by yet another phenomenal guest I wish you a fantastic weekend love and gratitude to all of you and to you as well my friend Amy take care and all my best hey this is Al Cole from CBS radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of living fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.